Welcome to Careers Evolve, the podcast for women where we talk about pivoting, opening doors, and breaking barriers in your career. Our careers evolve as we do, so let's talk about it. I'm your host, Dr. Monique Johnson. Now let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Careers Evolve podcast. You are in for a treat today because I have a fabulous guest with us this evening, and you are definitely going to be excited about all the wonderful things that she has to share with us. Dr. Angelique Adams helps women and people of color excel in their careers by curating the best actionable advice from successful, diverse insiders. Dr. Adams is an engineer with over 25 years of experience in manufacturing operations, strategy, and innovation, most recently serving as the chief innovation officer at multi-billion dollar European steelmaker Apparam. There she leads a global team of experts and she oversees the development of the innovation pipeline. She has a PhD from Penn State University, where both Penn Staters, we are. Penn State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and an MBA from MIT. Angelique went from being laughed at when she told professors she wanted to pursue a PhD to leading hundreds of scientists around the world. She has lectured at universities and advised leaders in industry, academia, and the nonprofit sector. For more than a decade, Dr. Adams has been sought out as a career mentor and coach, especially for women and people of color, frustrated by the lack of role models, resources, and guidance for the people she advised. Angelique created the You're More Than a Diversity Hire book series. Dr. Adams' work fills the gap left by HR, well-intentioned mentors, and general career books. She delivers proven, actionable advice from people who have overcome the challenges of being underrepresented at work. The first book in the series focuses on women in STEM. Angelique leverages her own 25 years of experience and insights from a global group of over 80 women working in a broad range of industries. I feel like we need applause right there. So <laughs> imagine the applause. So without further ado, Dr. Adams, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We've heard all the fabulous things that you are working on right now and that you're doing. Tell us a little bit of your, your story and your, your background. Sure. Well, I, uh, I'm an army brat kid. So that means I've moved around the world all my life which leads to how I, I'm working for a European company and splitting my time between uh, Tennessee and France. So we'll get to that <laughs> towards the end. But so I've lived all around the world and really was good in school. And so decided to, to study engineering because they were giving scholarships for women and people of color at the time. Uh, this was you know over 20 years ago. And I went to Penn State to get my undergrad in chemical engineering. I actually was one of the advisors to a dormitory and the sponsor for that dormitory was Alcoa. And so I had a dinner with the sponsors and they said, hey, if you're interested in getting your graduate degree, we'll pay for it. So I said, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, so I did that um, with a, a sponsored doctorate from, from Alcoa. And that really started 20 years of a global career working in manufacturing. I started out as a technician doing experiments for other people. And then when I came back with my PhD, I became a scientist and then a manager and then eventually leading innovation uh, for one of the business units in Alcoa. 
then went back to school again to get my MBA. And that's when I took the opportunity with Operum and decided to pull up stakes and move to move to France and, and work for a European firm. Wow, that's amazing. And so how long have you been with Aperum? Two years. Oh, just two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So what's that like, that whole, you know, managing between living here in the States and then also in France? Um, some of it, it's a challenge and an adventure, both at the same time. I mean, the, the time zone differences, the traveling back and forth. So my family remained in Tennessee and I'm kind of commuting back and forth. On the one hand, that seems crazy. On the other hand, I was traveling 50% of my time anyway. So rather than go all over the place, now I'm going back and forth, you know, to, to France. So the travel has been normal for me. The, the new adventure has been working, you know, across cultures, mm -hmm. living, you know, partially in a new place. And so learning how to really lead teams with a very different dynamics, different communication styles, et cetera, has been really the, the, the neat part about my job in France. Wow. So, so tell me, as you were talking, I'm thinking you've done so many fabulous things already. And what inspired your interest in the sciences? As when I was reading about the fuel science and all the different things that you've studied, I'm not a science or a STEM person, but you know, I'm married to an engineer. And I, as I shared with you, my daughter also studying chemical engineering. What inspired your interest in, in uh, the sciences early on? A very practical <laughs> thing, which was I needed to pay for college. So I actually went to Penn State thinking I was going to study business. And when I got there early on to, you know, how you do your college visits, they said, hey, we're offering scholarships in engineering. I had no idea what an engineer did. I didn't know any engineers, but I knew that I had to pay for college. And so I said, well, I'm good at math and science in school, so I'll give it a try. And that's really how, how it started for me. And I think the interesting thing is the women that I interviewed for my book, a lot of them had a very similar response. So I think that maybe today there are a lot more role models for women in science, and so they can get this inspiration. But you know, back when I was coming through, there weren't many of those. And we had, I, I chose the field for a very, you know, pragmatic, <laughs> pragmatic reason, which was financial. And I knew that I would also make a good salary as an engineer as well. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I really became interested in making things, which is why I went into manufacturing. I love the idea of being part of society that, that makes the thing that we use every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Tell us a little bit about your work. Like, what problem do you solve in, in your work, the work that you do with um, Aparam? Yes, yeah, so we, we focus on product development and process improvement. So we make hundreds of new products all the time in stainless steel. So it's a stainless steel manufacturer and electrical steels and alloys. So things you may see are like appliances, things like that. But mostly we, we're making materials that are inside other things. So not a lot of direct-to-consumer um, applications. And then the other part that we do is to improve our own internal processes. So to make them more efficient, to reduce costs, and to reduce the environmental footprint. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we all like stainless steel appliances. <laughs> well, not yeah. all, but I, I tend to like them. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. So in terms of your career, what have been some of your greatest challenges along the way as a woman in STEM, a woman of color in STEM? 
Yeah, I mean, the first the first challenge was in school, in graduate school, this idea of being a diversity hire, which is one of the reasons why I titled my book that you're more than a diversity hire. Because, you know, when it came time to start looking for jobs, some of my classmates would say, oh, you know, they're going to love you. Oh, you're definitely going to get a job because because they're looking for, you know, for black women. And so it was a challenge to overcome this idea that I was only going to get the job because of that. Mm-hmm. And I remember in an interview at that time telling the, the journalist, you know, I feel like I have to walk around with my resume tattooed to my chest because I want to say, you know, be able to say I'm more than that. I'm here because I'm smart and I've done all these things, et cetera. And then once I got to, to the job, you know, there were uh, several things that were challenging and being a, being a black woman, but also being in my case, younger than a lot of the people that I was working with. And so I would be trying to direct technicians to run experiments for me, and they didn't like the idea of taking orders from somebody like me. And so having to navigate that, learning how to build respect at work was was a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then I think really those continued, the, the idea of making sure that I could put my credentials first and not be seen as a diversity hire, whether it be seen negatively, you know, people saying, oh, that's the only reason you got hired, or even sometimes seen positively, oh, we really need more women, we're so glad you're here. Okay, great, I'm glad I'm here because I'm a woman, but I also have all of these credentials. And so right. that's still something even now that I'm, you know, that I'm struggling with. Right. Yeah. I was just talking with someone recently and sharing that there was an organization that I worked with at one time I was doing some consulting with. And whenever we had the conversation about recruiting more diverse people, diverse women and people from diverse backgrounds, someone always would say, well, you know, we need to make sure that we're hiring the most qualified. We need to make sure that we're hiring best person, you know, the best fit. And it used to frustrate me so much because why do why that goes without saying for me. Exactly. You know, yes. like <laughs> diversity does not mean compromise standards and lower standards or not find someone who does quality work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was that's always been very, very, very frustrating for me. So I would always chime in with that mm-hmm. and reinforce that that's not what it means. So as you think about your career thus far. Have you had any major turning points that have provided enlightenment or something that you could share that that may help, you know, the audience or who might be working in STEM? Sure. I've, I've had two, I would say, crucible moments in my career. The first was the first time I became a manager. And I happened to take a manager role when I was on maternity leave. And so I was thinking about, okay, I, you know, how am I going to navigate small children? As a woman, it's, it's, you know, it's a challenge. Um, and so I was thinking that the biggest challenge I was going to have taking on this bigger role was navigating my own personal logistics, basically. Mm-hmm. And then I took on the role and I had one person whose home burned down and he lost everything. Fortunately, he and his wife really ran out of that, the house in their bare feet and, and everything else. Uh, they lost everything. And I had another person who was from Europe, but, but working in the U.S. and had a sister in Europe who was dealing with a mental illness and he was hoping to take extra vacation so he could go and help her. He was sort of helping her remotely. 
And those two situations helped me to realize that, you know, my challenges were small relative to what other people are dealing with. And I never would have known that that was going on had I not been their manager, you know? So people that you're working with, your colleagues, you know, they have these challenges that you may know nothing about, but when you step into a leadership role, your job becomes much more than just, you know, making sure that the company's deliverables get taken care of, but now you have people who are counting on you to help them manage their life. Right. And um, that was a really a big crucible moment for me because I had to decide, okay, do I like this or not? You know, I think a lot of people, particularly experts, subject matter experts like people in STEM, that becomes a, a pivotal point for them. Do you want to go into management or do you want to stay an expert? And I think that the idea of leading people is not for everyone. And it's something that, you know, you'll have to decide as, as people move on in their career, if that's something they want to do or not. For me, I never looked back. I I knew that I wanted to lead people. And so I've continued to progress and and wanting to lead more people has been inspirational for me. The second crucible moment was much more recently, more like five years ago. And my, uh, my team had a big project in Saudi Arabia. And the interesting thing about that is that at that particular location, women were not allowed to be on site. And so I had a to ask myself, what do I do? I have to send a team there. We're working on a big project, and but I can't go myself. How do I wanna handle this? Do I wanna just say, okay, well, those are the rules. And so I'll just send my team and we'll do the best we can. Or do I want to try to push the system <laughs> to see if I can get myself over there? And. I chose to do that. I chose to push the system and try to get myself over there because I I had this leadership concept in my mind that I would never want to ask my team to do something that I could, I wasn't going to do myself. And so it was actually quite a challenge. I couldn't find another woman to go with me. There were logistic issues about, you know, because of the the separation of men and women through most Mm -hmm. of the culture, I had to find my own, you know, hotel and have a special driver and, and not be allowed in certain situations but it was important for me to try my best to be with my team and do what they were doing so that I could really understand the situation, even though it would have been easier for me to just, you know, stay at home and and dial in. And that was, again, another another crucible moment for me where I really kind of solidified who am I as a leader? Am I someone who pushes and takes the hard way or am I someone that takes, you know, takes the easy way? Right. Well, wow. We wouldn't think about those things, you know, that <laughs> you would experience that. But that was a cultural, right? Their right. cultural norms and rules. And so you had to figure out how to either navigate around it, fit within it right. <laughs> in order to support your your team. Yeah, that that's amazing. Oh, wow. So with all of those things, all of these these unique, well, those two turning points that you just mentioned, how has that kind of shaped you? I know you said, you know, it's made you a better leader. Have you had other experiences like that since you work globally across the world and the country? Yeah, I think what one of the things that it has, that both of those situations and others has really helped me build my empathy muscle, for lack of a better way of describing it. One of the things that I bring to new projects and new situations that is clearly a strength is this ability to try to put myself in the other stakeholders' point of view 
and bridge gaps that may otherwise exist. And so those moments that were maybe moments of adversity has really made it much easier for me to do that. And so that's a skill set that I bring really to kind of any new, any new situation that I'm in. Well, that's fantastic. So as a woman in STEM and you're in a prominent leadership role within the company, have you had, I know you've talked about a lot of things, but have you had any challenges as it relates to STEM? I know I talked to, you know, a couple of women on a regular basis that I mentor and they work in predominantly male dominated environments and it's very challenging for them. Very, very difficult in terms of not feeling, you know, like they're being heard and all of that. You know, is that past you now for the most part since you're at a different level of leadership or? I think it's past me, maybe not necessarily because I'm at a different level. I think I think this new organization that I'm in that I've been in for two years is very egalitarian, maybe is the right word, but there's less of this idea of women are lesser than men or things like that. I mean, I have many more women on my team. They're at higher levels. So I think that's that's part of the, the situation. The other thing too is I, I think I have developed the skills to cope with some of those things also, mm-hmm. right? So what do you do when you're being interrupted? And you know, what do you do if people won't listen to you? Those sorts of things. I mean, those are skills. How to navigate those situations mm-hmm. are skills that I have developed over 25 years. Right, right. So I wouldn't say that those things never happened. I would say that I'm better equipped to cope now than I was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a, a global group of over 80 women that you're involved with. Is that related to your position or is that an organization that you're a part of? I, I actually launched a, a private LinkedIn group myself so and reached out to women that I knew for, in my own network over the years that I've, that I've been working. So it's my own little virtual organization on LinkedIn. And um, I use them to get insights and and I use them to test a lot of the things in in my book and and things like that. Well, that's excellent. So you mentioned your book. Tell us a little bit more about your book. Yeah, my book is called You're More Than a Diversity Hire Women in STEM, uh, The Five Keys to Unlocking Your Full Potential. And it is a combination career guide and self-help book. So what I do is focus on really a lot of those challenges that we were just talking about. I give step-by-step actionable advice about how to handle them, going anything from having feelings of self-doubt all the way through to how do I uh, look for a new job? How do I handle people who interrupt me at work? How do I handle people who may be telling me that I'm too ambitious? All of those different kind of touch points that women in STEM that I interviewed have said, okay, these are the things that have happened to me. And I wish somebody had told me, you know, along the way how I can handle it. I work, you know, I put together the book really to address all of those things. That sounds like a valuable piece of, of literature that I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> now, has it come out yet? It's out yes, now. Yes, it is, it is okay. out. It's out on Amazon mm-hmm, okay, in both fantastic. paperback and ebook. Yep. Okay, excellent. So definitely get that book. I'll leave the information about that in, in the show notes. So tell me, do you have any words of advice, encouragement for other women out there in STEM? What words would you offer to them? The first thing I would say is that you are a smart, talented trailblazer. So I I have this, it's on the back of the book. I also have a blog post about it. But one of the things that, that I have always found frustrating is how 
when women are women who are in STEM and, and alone can think, oh, you know, I'm not good enough, et cetera. But if somebody who, who's not in STEM would see them, they would think they were fantastic. Wow, they're so smart. They're so, um, you know, tenacious. They're, they're persevere. You know, people from the outside can see that. So I want women in STEM to know that about themselves. But it's easier said than done. And so my real words of encouragement are that I want you to take action on a daily basis to think about your accomplishments, write them down and review them so that you don't have to have somebody inspirational to tell you what to do. You know it for yourself as factual. So we're, you know, we're in STEM, we look at data. So write down what you're doing and what you have done so that you know that you're a smart, talented trailblazer. Right. Document it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not something that is kind of not in a top of mind, so to speak, that you can right. be able to sort of rattle it off. Very exactly. Easy. That's a that's great, great, great advice. Great, great counsel. So you mentioned that you have a blog. Tell us how to access your blog and what types of things can people find there? Sure. It's drangeliegadams.com. It's my website. And I write on leadership, on career development. I also give behind the scenes looks at how I wrote my book, how I'm marketing my book, just sort of like the business side of, of what I'm trying to do. So those are the main topics that I focus on. I definitely need to check that out. I've been writing a book for a uh, hundred years. <laughs> one of these days, though, one of these days. Well, I will definitely leave that also in the show notes as well so that you all can take a look at her blog. I'm sure it's very encouraging and very inspirational. So I asked this question to everyone and I'm going to ask you as well. In what ways are you opening doors and breaking barriers? for other women? And if not, which we know that you are, of course, what would you like to see? So personally, I'm very passionate about this. You know, I, inside of my organization, have worked very hard to, to promote women who deserve, who deserve it and should have been, probably should have been promoted before. One of the things that I'm also passionate about is really normalizing alternative career progression. And what I mean by that is, you know, typically there's the okay, you work, you become a manager, you take an international assignment and, you know, you take a, a bigger position, et cetera. This linear pathway that doesn't really work for most people anymore, but certainly not women because it, it neglects the childbearing years. And so what I do is make sure that when I'm in those career progression discussions that happen every year, that, I, that if we've identified a woman who's high potential, but isn't ready to take the next step now, perhaps because she's just had a child, that we don't lose her, that we put her on the list and we revisit it later. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with men. I mean, these days, men also may not want to be really, you know, going quickly at certain parts and times of your life. And I say, when you're, when you have to take care of someone really young or really old, you, you need to do something different. But normalizing that in the conversations with career committees, et cetera, with leadership in HR, by simply noting that, hey, this person's a high potential they're not going to not be high potential just because they need to slow things down for 18 months. So let's leave them on the list. Right. That is that is really insightful because not everyone is going to follow that linear progression. You know, they right. need to uh, account for all the different you know, nuances that we have as women. You know, right. I know my mom about six years ago now, I guess. Uh, no, it's longer than that. I guess it's been about eight years ago. She lived with us at one time and it was during the time for my husband to change assignments. 
Mm. And so the possibility was on the table to go overseas. And I didn't want to do that because she had just come to live with us and then taking her totally out of her element. And she was ill. Mm. And so, yeah, just that just wasn't working for me, (laughs) you know? Yes. We're a partner partnership, you know? So I definitely get that, that, that makes sense. So is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to share before we begin to wrap up? Well, I I did want to mention that I, as I mentioned, I feel very passionate about documenting the career accomplishments because I think that's really the way to, to know yourself that you have contributed in your career and that you are a smart, talented trailblazer. So I did just want to let your audience know that I um, created a a small worksheet that they can download for free if they would like to learn about how I do that career documentation. I've got some examples about um, from my own list. And uh, so I want to make sure that they know that that's available. And I encourage everyone, no matter what stage of your career, no matter what industry you're in, to use that methodology to really capture what you're doing. It's going to be really important for resumes, for interviews, and when you have a bad day at work and you're feeling bad and you need to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually pretty good. Right, right. I've done yeah. some things. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And that's called the Accomplishments Inventory. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'll definitely leave that in the show notes as well. That's that's really a great resource because as a person who does career development work as well, we oftentimes will put our resume to the side. You know, if we don't, if we're working in a role and we don't have a reason to revisit our resume, Mm -hmm. I think it's a good idea to kind of keep a running documentation. And then maybe it won't be so difficult, you know, when you do have to (laughs) edit and pull out those accomplishments and document. Right. Well, I would just ask the audience to follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I do a lot of my sort of brainstorming and initial kind of thinking about what I might put in a blog post. I do a lot of polls to get information about what people want to talk about. So that's something that that I would share with your audience. But other than that, I really, again, just want people to know that that they, you know, they're good at what they do and they just need to know that themselves. And, and the way to, to know that is really to think about it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to own it and think about yes. it. Yep. And I did want to say, I don't think I said this in the beginning, Dr. Adams and I met on LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> and then realized that we both went to Penn State <laughs> and we were there at the same time briefly. Yes. So. <laughs> But yes, we, we've forged a friendship and I'm looking forward to continuing. She is definitely someone you want to follow on LinkedIn. Uh, and for those women out there who are in STEM, who are looking for encouragement and for support, she's definitely someone who can provide that for you. So I encourage you to purchase her book, read her blog, check her out. Tell her that you send her a LinkedIn request and tell her that you heard her podcast episode on Careers Evolve. Yes. (laughs) I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated you reaching out to me and saying, you know, you heard my first episode with my daughter and her very good friends. And uh, you reached out and, and offered to be a part of the I guess the women in the workplace edition, uh, you know, women of color in STEM with the, the edition, which I have yet to do, but definitely we'll, we'll get that going. So again, I really appreciate everything and thank you all for listening and continue to break barriers and open doors. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate the support. If you haven't already, please subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about me, please visit my website at 
drmoniquecjohnson.com and that's CR for doctor. Until next time, let's open doors and break barriers.